When the evil creep that is America looks up to the ceiling mirror above his circular waterbed, he sees a better version of himself reflected back. That reflection's name is Canada. Canada has a french fry and cheese curd heart and gravy blood. He's a very nice and polite and still maintains a healthy relationship with his first girlfriend, the United Kingdom, who America dumped in an ugly divorce 240 years ago. See ya, bitch. Yup, that's what we said, son. As nice as Canada is, when I think of Canada, I don't really think of culture. Nope. Their most talented people would prefer to hang out with America, because America has money and doesn't give a fuck if you stay on his couch for 50 years. But those who stick around Canada do so of pure love for the innocent little country they call home. We've been listening to their national anthem, O Canada. This version's by Jade Arcade, a guy who lives in Ontario and does video game music covers. I feel like there's a lot of those guys in Canada. <laughs> um, it's cold. Yeah. yeah so you, this you is a, spend half the year inside. What are you going to do? Yeah, this is, a, this is a special song that puts a lump in the throat of, of nearly every Canadian because uh, they're good people who love their country. Uh, but the national anthem probably isn't as powerful as the music that really gets to the heart of the average Canadian. That powerful music is today's genre. It's called Canadian Classical. Beyond Yacht Rock Podcast. That was a thoughtful, poignant pause, JD. I yeah, really I thought that was that. On, uh, on shuffle for a second. No, yeah, I really liked that. I was that. really worried about what was happening. Really? That that felt very intentional to me. I, I was into it. Well, then it was intentional. Thank you very much. Burning uh, you up. So we're the, you also look very nice tonight. We're the Beyond Yacht Rock Podcast. We're a podcast. We make up new genres of music every week. And we count down the top hits in that genre, or the top songs quality-wise. From 10 to 1. They're hits. Yeah. All of them are hits. Yeah. They're all hits. Uh, my name is JD Riznar. I'm Hollywood Steve. I'm Dave. Um, and we're coming to you today live from the Riznar Cave in uh, the Mancer Center, California. Man Garage. So our energy is going to be naturally down as it usually is, but the episode's going to sound great. All set up and engineered by Hunter. Thank you so much. I plug some shit in. We'll see. Listen, we invented the term Yacht Rock, so we throw a bone to the genre each and every week. So, Steve, what is this song we're listening to? Oh, I'm going to take you on a little journey here. So, for this episode, J.D., I went on a mission to find some Canadian Yacht Rock. Like, somebody must have done it, right? Mm -hmm. So, the first band I checked was Chilliwack, whose name I was familiar with, but whose catalog I'd never really uh, delved into. I found a pretty yachty song called I Believe. But it turns out we already yachtskied it back in Yacht and Yacht 14. I was the only one who put it on the boat. So you guys got uh, it wrong. You uh, uh, you photo gloat it. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you good. should re-listen to it. I did. But, but then... It has parts. Yeah, it does. It definitely with, has parts. Not without its uh, yacht charm. Yeah. So, but okay, so who else? So I looked into the, uh, the solo catalog of Burton Cummings. The former lead singer of the Guess Who. We know who Burton who Cummings is. Who went solo and became a soft rock artist. Just in case the audience doesn't, Dave. Bunch of dum-dums. Uh, so Burton Cummings became a soft, soft rock artist. Nothing doing there. If he's ever done any yacht 
I did not find it. I did find a lot of sentimental glop and some bad 50s nostalgia, though. Well, there so were, there, there yes. could have been uh, David Foster. He does a lot of yacht rock, mm-hmm. right? But sure, that's but that's an easy one. It is an easy one. I wanted to challenge huge, myself. Who's the guy who gave a huge number to? Gary Chater? Yes. He's Canadian. Um, oh, I so didn't you realize that. So you wanted to find, because David Foster is one of those who came yes. down to America to cash in. So right. You wanted to find. Well, we already who know about him. up in Canada. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I like, wanted uh, to find somebody quintessentially Canadian. Now, we, we briefly talked about the Baron. We don't want to bring him up yet. So I wanted to find someone quintessentially Canadian, and I said to myself, "What of Anne Murray? What? Frequently synonymous as you, as you do, as one does. <laughs> frequently synonymous with Canadian musical mediocrity, yes, but also, but also a soft country singer who frequently crossed over into adult contemporary. Surely, at some point, Anne Murray must have dipped a toe into the dominant studio style of the period south of her border." Well, I'm pleased to report that after some digging, I came up with this little nugget from Anne Murray's 1983 album, A Little Good News. This was not a hit, nor even a single, <laughs> but it was co-written by Michael Brandon Barnes of Southern Yacht Rockers' Burn and Barnes. And it and, was Canadian. And it was Canadian, and it features Michael Boddicker on synths, and it has Bill Champlin and Tom Kelly on backing vocals. Man, this has that, that filthy southern yacht sound of a Burns Barn sound song. It's it's filthy. It's just down and dirty Anne Murray. <laughs> it's like you never hear. This is the dirtiest groove Anne Murray yeah. ever rode. Oh, my. So, I mean, the arrangement here is not perfect. Like, you can hear Boddicker's using a more modern synth sound as the lead voice on the, you know, his arrangement. It's 83. Know, it, but yeah, but it's yeah, 83. It's, it's the tail end of the Yacht Rock period. Still really steaming up the windows in the old garage. Uh, but yeah, compositionally, I think it's spot on. And uh, it turns out that this was not her only toe dip either. Uh, on this same album, she covers Kenny Loggins' ballad, The More We Try. Yeah, that's for his high adventure album. It's not very yachty. It's not very... It's, yeah, I listened to that. I was like, no, nah, this one's yachtier. At all. Uh, then on her, on her next album, Heart Over Mind from 1984, she just straight up covers a Burns and Burn and Barnes song called Love You Out of Your Mind. Which is a jam, and she does a poor job, if you ask me. <laughs> she really Anne Murray's what is a sweet, down and dirty yacht rock song. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but guys, Ann and Murray covered uh, Ann Murray covered a Burn and Barnes song. Holy shit! Can you believe it? Can you wow. even believe that? There's a lot of it's weird stuff thing. out there. Good I never thing I kept digging. Good thing I kept digging for nuggets like this. Hey, welcome to the boat, Ann Murray. I think she also did some uh, Carrie Chater stuff too. I'm pretty sure he's I really enjoyed all that, Steve. Do you see what would happen if you did an ounce of work on Yacht or Yacht? Anything at all. Boy, you get, you guys did a bunch of work on that Chilliwack episode, and you got that one wrong, so... Uh. <sighs> <laughs> um, well, did we look into personnel on this one or anything? Did we already mention Steve, Boddicker Steve, 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 Steve. Kelly. Okay, sorry, sorry. I'm so confused because I'm at my own house. I feel like I have to start doing chores. Oh. I'm not thinking about... Uh, okay, so... Got to change the batteries in the Roomba. Yeah. <laughs> It's charged. If you charge it, you don't change batteries. You need yeah. to get one. I got, I, got wood, I got wood floors. Let's talk about Canadian classical. I guess he did name his Roomba. Oh, we did, yeah. Gear, uh, my son named it Cook. Cook? Yeah. They like, call it Cookie. Yeah. Huh. He was like two when he named it. Two or three. Yeah. He, only, he only knew a handful of words. Yeah. 
Cook was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> it was an oh, order. Was it, sometimes was it round to, like a cookie. Sometimes he had to tell his parents what to do. There are classical music composers from all corners of the world, even Canada. This piece is called North Country Movement One, Alento Maestro. It was written in 1948 by Harry Summers, one of Canada's most important musical composers. It's a rich and turbulent piece, pondering the turmoil of European Canadians clashing with the indigenous people as they violently negotiate their coexistence in the Great White North. Damn! A favorite device of Harry Summers is the parallel movement of fourths, fifths, triads, and the seventh and ninth chords. You can definitely hear it in this masterwork. We know, we know what we're talking about on yeah. this podcast. Triads. And while it's a lot of fun to discuss this song in such fancy schmancy terms, <laughs> Indeed. this is not an example of Canadian classical. What? You see, the adjective Canadian is often used to modify something fancy-sounding to make it mean something not fancy. The great example is the Canadian tuxedo. Oh, so. <laughs> uh, it sounds like know. a fancy suit. I got half one on right now. Yeah, it sounds like a fancy suit, but a Canadian tuxedo is a denim jacket with denim pants, denim shirt. If you're really going to if something, you're going for okay. the three piece. I, I agree that it that it that it uh, it every man's the tuxedo. It lessens the tuxedo, but it definitely ups the stake for denim. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I, that's the only time uh, Canadian is a. Yeah, Canadian denim is a little more pure. Well, what I'm getting at is um, is that the genre of Canadian classical is not this brand of fancy classical music. It's Canadian classical is more like. All the scientists are running around looking for the monkey, but he can't be found because he's down by the pond playing hockey with the yeah, kids. See, Canadian classical is music about hockey. <laughs> Any kind of music about hockey at all. If it's about hockey, it's Canadian classical. And the best songs in this genre are by Canadian citizens, which is why this song, Hockey Monkey, by James Kachulka Superstar and the Zambonis won't make my top ten. They're Americans. What up? Yeah, they're Americans. And even though the Zambonis are from New Hampshire, that's a bona fide hockey-crazy state, uh, they only perform songs about hockey, but this song is missing that special something. And that special something... It's like the feelings evoke when one hears a mother sing to her child. It's a sacred bond between Canadians and hockey that goes beyond our physical bodies. It creates an energy that is felt by every molecule and surrounds us. Basically, when you hear a Canadian performing a song about hockey, the beauty of that art makes you feel like nothing else matters in the world. Whether you like hockey or Canadians at all, you will hear that transcendent splendor in all of these songs. Yeah, but who doesn't like Canadians? Really, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. But what if Anne Murray? When I started this genre, I was just gonna make fun of Canadians the whole time. I was gonna be a joke. It was yeah, be, like there were a bunch of Australians. Yeah, like a bunch of jerks. Yeah, um, chilly Australians. And and I wrote that all that fancy stuff in that last paragraph, ironically. But I gotta say, as I did this genre, I did the research, and I listened to these songs. <laughs> it's real love, and I fell in love with this genre, Canadian classical. So and you, I, you you came to believe your own bullshit. Basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's the best kind of bullshit. Um, any questions? Your any own. more questions about Canadian class songs about hockey by Canadians? There. Period. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Very succinct. Ten. All right. This is Lynn Miles. 
And Lynn Miles is a Juno award-winning folk and roots artist. Whoa. Uh, Juno is the Canadian Grammys, for oh, those of you who uh, don't know. It's JD very know easy to Junos win. Are. It's very easy to win. <laughs> but it's a big deal for Canadians. The hardest part is being Canadian. <laughs> With that aside, Lynn is one of Canadians' most accomplished singer-songwriters, if you only count the ones who failed to get the chance to sell out to the great dark south. Because if you want... It's America, not, no, not yeah, our great yeah. dark south. Yeah, it's uh, maybe there's a better. We I mean, have a, we have a great dark south. Yeah, we know the great white north. I, I yeah. see what you were doing, but it doesn't sound good. But yeah. Canadians get it because they don't have a dark. Yeah. It's a different frame of reference up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's the one that stayed in Canada. Uh, if you want to start, if you want me to start naming other successful, accomplished Canadian singer-songwriters, yes, I love names. All right, mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Alanis Morissette, Avril Lavigne, Brian Adams, Gordon Lightfoot, oh. Leonard Cohen, Nelly Furtado. Seems like Lynn Miles is pretty far down on that list. Boy, she really sounds like she wants to be Joni Mitchell, though. I know, I know. I, I hear this, and I think this is Canadian ache. Yeah, it really is. There's a deep ache about the. There's a deep, deep ache here. Um, you'll find this song on her first album, uh, 1991's Chalk This One Up to the Moon, eh? But it, it isn't in the title. <laughs> just, but it's implied. <laughs> it costs 18 Canadian dollars. <laughs> You know, uh, a boat, a boat, eighteen dollars, yeah, a boat, uh, eighteen loons, eh? Yeah. Loonies, loonies, half a toonie. Um, okay, so she re- she recently re- re- uh, re-released a version of this song um, on a series of albums called the Black Flower Collection, where she re-recorded acoustic versions of many of her songs. Yes, there is a more acoustic version of this song. <laughs> it's actually quite beautiful. Hey guys, we got to take this down a notch. <laughs> This is this is far and away the most depressing hockey song I've ever heard. But then again, I'm not I'm not aware of any hockey songs called like the lasting damage of concussions or anything like that. Uh, the, the pain of a toothless mouth. Um, here's why this one's a little more melancholy. This song is about a uh, it's about a girl walking through her neighborhood uh, in the evenings. It's probably Saturday night because everyone's inside watching the program Hockey Night in Canada which is sort of Canada's answer to Monday Night Football meets church. Uh, This girl is just looking for a place to skate, and there's rinks everywhere, because it's Canada, but they're all dominated by boys playing hockey, and my reading is that it's a metaphor for the frustration of persistent sexism. Uh, She sings, Seems like hockey night in Canada is every night. All right, yeah. Uh, There's a line, (laughs) there's a line, there's a Zamboni of sorts. (laughs) <laughs> in our souls. In all our souls. Yes. Oh, right. all, yeah, yeah. And equal ice time is all we need to catch our breath. <laughs> so if my reading is correct, this is a song that uses hockey as a metaphor for gender injustice. How Canadian is that? They can use hockey for a metaphor for anything. Can't. But, uh, but I do like the idea that the only thing in the world that could make Canadians feel as sad as this song sounds is not being able to find a place to ice skate. <laughs> so if there's a Zamboni in all of our souls, uh-huh. isn't the Zamboni supposed to freshen up the ice? Like sort yeah. of cleans the soul? And is our is our soul frozen? Are, are our hearts cold? Well, and does it, and does your that... heart gets scarred by all the, the skate blades, and so the Zamboni in your soul has to drive around and is that smooth z- it back out. Is that Zamboni fueled by um, Lexapro, perhaps? Hmm. 
So you're saying that Lexapros. I'm oh, sorry. Nine. Lexapro Zamboni fuel. Okay, I understand. Soul, soul Zamboni. Hey! Soul Zamboni. <laughs> that, that's a good genre, too. I keep thinking about that song, Hockey Monkey, and what a great movie that would be. <laughs> you make a good point. You listen to the lyrics. It, it spells out an excellent movie. Um, okay, so this is a song from the perspective of the boys that dominated the local hockey that so frustrated Lynn Miles in the last song. This is the Road Hockey Song by Ray Lyell. Uh, if you have pledged to never start playing hockey, let this be your trigger warning. Skip ahead to the next song because when you listen closely to this song and really let it pull at your strings, you will be compelled to find a way to be playing hockey this weekend. Yeah, road hockey. Yeah, road, not street hockey. This is exciting rock and roll, man. I feel like I'm at the road house, yeah. not the road hockey game. Right. This sounds like the kind of music you'd find in a grocery store dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> So this is about some kids The Goodwill Dumpster Day, be fair. Where do you shop for groceries? This is about some kids playing street hockey, but they call it road hockey because it's Canada, and Canadians can't help but call all things by slightly different names than we do. <laughs> Grade 12. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, this is really about the, the two or three months a year you can actually get out and uh, play hockey on the road and, and not hockey <laughs> right. on the ice. Yeah, the ice is melted, and you can see the road. Yeah. I mean, we all grew up in Michigan, which is kind of like Southern Canada. Yeah, and we yeah. played uh, we played lot hockey, where we like go to a parking structure, play hockey. Yeah, it's all fun. Yeah, we, we know a lot about hockey we from Michigan, but it wasn't like in our blood as a whole. No, I still can't skate hockey. Skating hurts me. I can't stop. <laughs> that always stopped me. I can't do that. That thing, yeah. Get the, get the ice in your face. That thing. You never do it. Always fall. Yeah. All right, so I know what you're thinking listening to this and, and hearing me drop the name Ray Lyell. Yes, that is the Juno-nominated Ray Lyell, formerly of Ray Lyell and The Storm. But after their first album, Ray had to drop the name The Storm due to a legal issue in the United States. So he recorded the second album simply as Ray Lyell, and even though The Rockers and The Storm... Uh, got got the boot name-wise, they continued to play with him because, of course, they're Canadians, and Canadians are people without a kilo of ego or greed. And ever so polite. Why did why, why didn't you just change the name to the Canadian store? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. I know. It was only in the United States. He would have sold more records. Uh, I, I heard a line Wait. in the song. I just heard a line in the song. Was he... Oh, you may talk about it. No, let's, let's, let's do our line readings then. Uh, so I heard a line in a song about how there were girls on the sidelines wishing them luck, and I can only imagine that one of them is a very sad Lynn Miles. And I also, uh, so there's another line. So, so these dudes aren't really even interested in girls because hockey is better, according to Ray Lyell, than the swimsuit pages of the Sears catalog, which, which in today's terms means that hockey is even better than college girl amateur anal videos on Pornhub.com. Pretty much the tamest thing we jerk off to these days. Pretty much. Yeah. God bless the internet. Did I, that, so what I just heard, I didn't hear it the first time I listened to it. I only listened to this once. Uh, oh, we all only listened to this once. Okay, okay. Did he did he shit on European hockey? I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I heard him shitting on European hockey. 
They do have a reputation for being soft over there. There's nothing more Canadian than <laughs> shitting on European <laughs> hockey. That is a tradition over there. <sighs> Eight. All right, this is Brian Adams. We're going to win. But nowhere in this song does Brian Adams mention hockey. In fact, he has a line, get in the ring, where he could have chosen get in the rink. But listen to this. This is Brian Adams. There is no doubt he's singing about hockey. An American baseball fan might listen to this and go, oh, that sounds good for my Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, yeah, there's no Tampa Bay Rays fan, so... Uh, but every Canadian knows exactly what Brian Adams is talking about here. This is what I call a moose whistle. Uh, this is also a bit of a desperation move. Uh, this is from Brian's 96 album, 18 Till I Die. Ooh, his uh, best era. Yeah. And where was he? Where was he when he was 18? Canada. Anyway. Brian's trying to recreate the summer of 69 all over again. By the way, he was like 10 years old in the summer of 69. Yeah. When it got his first real six, <laughs> he should write a song now about writing this song called "The Summer of '96." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be amazing. It has all the edgi- edginess of a Canadian in a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So by 1996, Brian's career was waning, and he needed uh, a way to to keep things going. So he probably was going to a lot of hockey games, listening to all the jock jams they pump out, and going. I need a jock jam. And I'm sure he wanted to write a hockey song, but his manager is like, there's no money in hockey jams. He probably had an American manager. I bet that was actually his second thing. I bet the first thing he tried to get his career going again was he probably wrote Robin Hood 2. <laughs> <laughs> he can get that the movie. Around. The movie, yeah. So he could write another song yeah. for it, yeah. Oh, <laughs> a Canadian Robin Hood. Um, <laughs> my, 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 my favorite thing about this song, there aren't that many... Uh, but my favorite thing is when he rhymes, we're going to win with, we're going to be the champions. You want to talk about Brian Adams' rhyme schemes? Let's go back to Robin Hood. There's no love <laughs> like, like your love, love, and no other could give more love. love. <laughs> no, it's not more, it's mo. mo. There's no love like yo love, and no other could give mo love. Because he's, he's a stickler for phonetics. That See, Brian we, just, Adams. we just need to get Robin Hood 2 off, and, and Brian Adams is on easy street again. I hope it's like Teen Wolf 2, where it's just a different Robin Hood, and the <laughs> uncle's the same. <laughs> Friar Tuck's the same. Uncle John's the same. <laughs> he actually goes on vacation in that one. What about, about a wacky hijinks happen with the hockey monkey? Gets trapped on an island and finds a tank. Yeah. Wait, he sings a song for Three Musketeers. Ooh. No, that was like well, he was in that group that I was. Uh, with oh, oh, okay, but he did. Oh, that's right, he did a huge role. Okay, yeah, like Sting and Rob. I got, Stewart, I got him confused. I thought, like the, that? I thought the three, those three, did Robin Hood and, and they, never mind. Okay, you're referring to his stupor group. Yeah, <laughs> we still got to do that. I do that one. Anyway, he's gonna do some pandering. Um. Anyway, but he, Brian Brian Adams is still a big success. He's still touring worldwide. He has a huge fan base. He's still very important. Um. But I was I had a hard time finding a solid connection between Brian and hockey, uh, except for Michigan State player uh, named Brian Adams who played briefly with NHL's Atlanta Thrashers, the rest in Winnipeg. That was your one connection. Yeah. Well, but 
Um, that's some deep research. Well, when you Google Brian Adams hockey, that's the first thing that comes up as a hockey player. Michigan State had a hell of a hockey program. Um, so the only evidence I could find for rock and roll Brian Adams' love of hockey is that he performed on New Year's Day 2017 between periods at the Outdoor Winter Classic uh, between the Maple Leafs and the Red Wings and celebrated the 100th year anniversary of the NHL. Um, also, some tweeters on Canadian Twitter speculated that he's a Leafs fan. Um, also, Brian tweeted in 2014 that he was on a plane and was bummed to have missed Canada win the hockey gold in the Sochi Olympics. Like, bullshit, he was on a plane. This guy is trying to pass as not very Canadian. But you can't fool me, Brian Adams. He was just mad they didn't use this song after they won the, the gold medal. Yeah. He, I wrote it for this. <laughs> I wrote it for this moment, and you guys ruined it. Hey, we did win, Brian. This is this is future tense. We're gonna win. He was we won. If you wrote a song called "We Win," yeah, we won. If you, Queen, he's, Queen he's one of those too. guys that tried to convince you that he was American, like we talked about Dire Straits. They were one of those. Yeah, they were a band that tried to convince you they were American. That's about baseball. Because I just wanted to make one more point. I say that because there, in Canada, there was no summer of '69. That only happened in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. it was still winter there. Yeah. <laughs> summer skipped Canada that year. Um, oh shit! This is a jam. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this Canadian classical song has some powerful passion uh, by this singer uh, A.J. Thick, a young Canadian who yearned one day to make it big in America, singing about a Canadian who was at the beginning of a legendary hockey career in the United States, uh, the Boston Bruins' own Bobby Orr. He's got class, and he's got speed. Um, so as you can hear, by the force and conviction of AJ's voice, Bobby Orr wowed hockey fans all over Canada, even though he played for an American team. Uh, he was just two or three seasons into his career at this point, probably was barely out of his teens when this song was released. See, Bobby Orr was a defenseman. He was supposed to just hang back and make sure the other team didn't score goals, but he, Bobby said, fuck that, and he scored goals, a ton of goals, really changing the position of defenseman in hockey forever. He won the Norris Trophy for best defenseman when he was 18 his rookie year, and would go on to later win it eight consecutive times. What are these made-up awards you keep naming? The hockey awards, man. Yeah, hockey awards are all named after like like Jim Norris fake, no, fake nobles who donated trophies or like, something <laughs> like I the think. Lady Bing trophy yeah for gentlemanly play yeah there's another one that's called the best one yeah MVP Steve, trophy yeah, it's the one that's that named the after a lady so you know that you know it's not just all rough and tumble and it's also named after Bing good sound <laughs> which is every Canadian's there. favorite sound yeah, that's their favorite search engine um Okay. Bobby Orr. Bing with a Y. It's their favorite <laughs> Bobby Orr won three heart trophies as well. It's the MVP trophy. I just realized Jim Norris is a baseball player for Cleveland Indians in the late 70s, so I really fucked that up. Oh, yeah, Chuck, Chuck Norris is a. Oh, he's good. Good. Um, So, Bobby Orr, he was elected in the Ho Hockey Hall of Fame at 31 after a short but glorious career uh, ended thanks to fucked up knees. So in the 1968 season, uh, when this song was released, he'd already tied the previous record for defenseman goal. He would break that a few times over in his career. Uh, his song was a huge hit only in Boston. That was the only place it was a hit. Uh, they really liked Bobby Orr and any music written about him, I guess. 
Now, I when I, when I heard this song, you know, it starts off like this, kind of a nice little groove. Yeah, and, and then an Alan Thicke's right. voice. He's got and then that he kind does of that. Uh, he's I got thought it was AJ Thicke. Yeah, um, well, here's the thing. No, this is I, the same. I was, Thicke I was, was on Growing Pains. Well, no, AJ's thick. Well, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about that. He did change his name. He came down the states to fulfill his American dream, and he did change his name to Alan. But I, I only could confirm that he wrote and performed the theme song uh, to the sitcom Different Strokes, and became very good friends with uh, Jay Poopin Graydon, Bill the Champ Champlin, and David Kern, Turncoat Foster. Uh, he really had quite a career. And like, like here, he sounds like Canadian Johnny Cash singing this song. Like you wouldn't have this guy to, you know, join up with with uh, with David Foster of all people. Yeah. Uh, they just they just kind of take the edge off everything, like a like a dull skate blade. Uh, yeah, he's, he, 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 like, there's points in this song where he's trying to like do callouts that are supposed to sound like a soul singer. But he sounds like a whiter Johnny Cash. Yeah, but he's he also like doing Canadian like cowboy. Yeah, he's like, like a little, little purring as well. It's like, yeah, uh, like Gary. I put my trash out the day before trash day just to see my neighbor frown. That's the kind right of crimes he did. He goes, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like, like rawhide. It sounds like it sounds like Canadian cowboy song almost. Um, side B of this record, it was a song called The Boston Dandy. It was also about Bobby Orr. Uh, but it was performed in a William Shatner-type uh, talk singing. So basically, A.J. Thick is reciting a really, really shitty poem about a 20-year-old hockey player. Check it out sometime. I, I would absolutely buy a record like that if it was about Cubs infield or Javier Baez. Make it happen. The Chicago Dandy. <laughs> Six. All right. I wanted to hear more of that song. Everything we've heard so far has been pretty earnest and hokey, uh, but here's an example of how Canadian classical can take a swing into artsy, ironic indie rock and still work like a charm. And they put irony on top of irony to the point it becomes poignant and moving. Uh, and back to earnest. Uh, this song, this is a song... It's a tragic story of a hockey player by a band who recently suffered a great loss shared by the entire country of Canada. Uh, This is the Tragically Hip with 50 Mission Cap. Um, A a 50 Mission Cap is a hat that military pilots wore back in the day. You'd recognize it if you saw it. Uh, It's like around World War II era. Uh, And it gets a very specific shape due to the tight headset the pilots wear. So what hath this to do with hockey? And what of Anne what Murray? Of <laughs> um, the Tragically Hip, they're from Kingston, Ontario, so of course they love hockey. And in fact, this is one of three T-Hip songs about hockey that I found. But this one's my favorite. Uh, it sort of has layers, so follow along with me. This is the story of Bill Barilko. A defense- I've lost. <laughs> a defenseman for the tr- Toronto Ma- Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's Leafs, not Leaves. you got to follow that, too who scored the overtime goal that clinched the Stanley Cup as the championship uh, trophy in hockey, Dave. Uh, Donated by Lord Stanley. The Lord Stanley Cup, Dave. Yeah, I got it. I know that one. I drank a beer. Yeah, I drank a beer out of it. Um, So that happened in 1951. Four months later, he disappeared while flying a plane on a fishing trip. It took years to find his body, which they found 11 years later, the year that the Leafs next won the Cup. Huh? So after telling that story, 
Gord Downey, the hip's lead singer, explains in the song that he found it on a hockey card, which he now keeps tucked under his 50 Mission cap. I feel like maybe they had that great chorus, uh, and it is really awesome. A 50 Mission cap is awesome. Uh, but it needed a song to build it around, so why not a hockey song? Uh, this song peaked at number 40 on the Canadian charts. I, I wanted to learn a little more about this story, so I looked up Bill Barocco on Wikipedia. And you know what I found instead? I had no idea that Tim Hortons, the donut chain, was actually founded by a hockey player oh, named yeah. Tim Hortons, yeah. who also died tragically in a drunk driving accident. Oh, yeah, there's a whole not scandal know about Tim Hortons. Steve, if there is a Canadian company and it's named after a person, that was a hockey player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just so you know. I mean, I should have probably assumed, but... Yeah, you remember a Carl Beer store? <laughs> oh, yeah, he was a great goalie. Um, Nothing got by him, eh? You know, I never listened to the Tragically Hip because I because of their name. Yeah. I, I thought they were making fun of the elderly. Nevertheless, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've heard some recently doing looking for genres and stuff, and I think they're pretty great, what I've listened to. Um, they kind of float between the Canadian R.E.M. and uh, Guided by Voices. Yeah. In that little area. They sound, they sound great. I'm excited yeah, to get just, into them. Just a little less edgy. I think I think you were confusing that band name with the Tragic Hip Replacements. <laughs> they do both. Yep. They cover both bands. Yep. Um, so this great, That's a great tribute band idea. Yeah. Put it together. I'll give you a spot. You can do your Javier Jarvis. Javier <laughs> Jarvis. Jarvis. Close enough. No the old cares. Chicago dandy. Um, Chicago dandy. <laughs> so this sucks because I'm just getting in the tragedy hit. Um, but I'm glad that I looked. Uh, I looked up old Gord Downey because it would have been gross negligence if I missed this. Uh, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor of uh, glioblastoma. It's the same garbage disease that took my friend Mark a couple years ago. So. Uh-huh. It was a big fuck you. The Tragically Hip decided to go on a big tour. And this band is huge in Canada. Like, nine of their albums were number one on the Canadian charts. But did they win a Juno? Yes. Oh. Yeah, a shit ton. Gord is like their poet laureate. I know. Sort of. yeah. yeah, so his fight, along with his bandmates, so inspired Canada last April, Hunter, they were given the Juno Award for Group of the Year. Uh, an award they had won several times in the last 30 years. And it's, uh, we just lost Gord in October. I thought you were going to say they, they just gave him the Juno Awards. Here, half the awards. <laughs> they should have given it. They're really nice, those Canadians. Yeah. They probably would have done that anyway. No, I've been, I've been watching the news and seeing Canadians cry for the past year. Yeah. yeah. Since they, uh, A lot of Canadian uh, music retired. writers did articles about them. Um, Don't worry, JD. I'd have had your back on the tragic death angle if you if you hadn't looked it up. Oh, good. I'm glad I did, though. It really moved me because um, the entirety of Canadian rock fandom is coming together to mourn this loss. It, it just happened, so it's still fresh. Uh, the tragically hips albums have all jumped back onto the Canadian charts, uh, and Canada is celebrating one of its favorite groups. Uh, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, he's a huge tragically hip fan. He released this great statement that's so Canadian. Our buddy Gord, who loved this country with everything he had. Buddy. Yeah. Gord. And not just loved it in a nebulous, oh, I love Canada way. He loved every hidden corner, every story, every aspect of this country that he celebrated his whole life. And this song's a great example of that. It's a story he stole from a hockey card. It doesn't get more Canadian than that. Break away from me! 
All right. All right. All right. Hold on to your gene meat, guys, because if you don't, this song will blow your dick clean off. <laughs> I'm not him, fucking around. This is some hot <laughs> shit. This is Mickey Thomas's heavy metal jam, Stand in the Fire, from the Youngblood soundtrack. What's that you say? Am I talking about the black exploitation movie Youngblood that stars Cool Cat, Freddie Boom Boom Washington? No, you fucking inbred. I'm talking about the kick-ass hockey movie starring Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze. You know, standing in the fire is really dangerous when, when, when you play hockey. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. It but melts you, the ice. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I had a pond in my backyard when I lived in Indiana, and we would play hockey at night, and we would build a bonfire on the ice. And the heat rose, so it would melt a little bit, but it wouldn't huh. really melt the ice. Well, you just took a lot away from the sock. And it a lot Sorry. Now, while Rob Lowe was in the Brat Pack, the whole world was about to go Swayze crazy for this dancer that stole the show in Toto's Rosanna music video. And I know what you're thinking. Sissy dancers playing hockey? No, sir. This movie is all man. From the super kick-ass tough guys named Dean, Blaine, and Kelly <laughs> to the scene where Swayze wears a jockstrap on his face and his friends hold down Rob Lowe so they can shave his balls, this movie is non-stop macho romp. Hockey! This, uh, and this there's, makes, boobs. There's, to yeah, there's boobs. There's It sounds boobs. like this movie makes a volleyball scene from uh, Top Gun look like heterosexual porn. <laughs> there's a there's a great fight scene uh, where uh, Young Blood's dad teaches him to fight by uh, pulling a jersey over the other guy's head. Hockey. I call that the Canadian martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the movie also features a young Keanu Reeves as the goalie. There's a story going around that Keanu was a goalie in high school, and that's how he got his nickname, The Wall. Not true. He got it because of his acting chops. <laughs> Keanu Reeves <laughs> Take that, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, he took way too long in front of me at uh, uh, JFK one time. Still pissed. Oh, I get it, because walls are unusually charismatic for how still they are. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, now let's get to Mickey Thomas. After he left the Elvin Bishop group, yes, that Elvin Bishop group, he joined Jefferson Starship as a singer. A few years in, Bishop drummer uh, Danny Baldwin joined up uh, as Jefferson Starship's drummer. Back together, these dudes helped the band rock harder than ever with jams like Jane, Find Your Way Back, Laying It on the Line, and a bunch of other songs that Tony Zarrett and I listen to when we hang out. He also helped to have three number one hits with what I assume were We Built This City, Sarah, and Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Yep. Because those are the three Starship songs I can name without looking. Yep. Those are the three number ones. And he's great in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he totally distracted those guards so uh, Chewie could sneak out. Uh, Here's a fun story. After Grace Slick left the band for the whatever time, they had to cancel their tour. Not because they couldn't perform without Grace. That's stupid. Of course they can perform with that anchor. Uh, it's because Donnie Baldwin attacked Mickey Thomas in a bar and injured him so badly that Mick had to have facial reconstructive surgery. Wait, Donnie or Danny? Did I say Donnie? You said and wrote Donnie and introduced him as Danny before. Yeah, no one cares. Um, I wonder if he pulled a sweater over his head. Another thing. <laughs> another thing. You're fighting Canadian and all of a sudden you can't see. Mm-hmm. It's a martial art. I'm... <laughs> I think that they didn't get in a fight. They made that story up because Mickey wanted to get plastic surgery and didn't want anybody to realize, didn't want anybody to think it was because he was vain. And so he said, 
Hey, why don't we say that you punched me in the face and broke some of my ribs? Yeah, and broke some of my ribs. <laughs> Break some of my ribs. So well, it's he real. had to. Ha- he wanted to take those out so he could. Yeah, we know why you take yeah. ribs out. Jefferson Starship is also a nonstop macho romp. Uh, what a swell group of guys. Here's another fun fact. They lost the Jefferson in a lawsuit. Paul Kantner left the band and sued for the name. <laughs> uh, he got a cash settlement, uh, but didn't obtain any rights to the name. But Grace Slick got 51%, and Bill Thompson got 49%. Meanwhile, Starship went on to have those hits I talked about, and no one really gave a shit about the name. But now I know why the name changed. Yeah, Thank I you. Yeah, I've always wondered that. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah. It's it's brilliant too because they needed to be reinvented. Nobody mm-hmm. was going to listen to a song from Mannequin by Jefferson's St- Airplane. No. Yeah, but you listen to Starship, they yeah. got it. That's sweet. Anyway, my final point: Young Blood. <laughs> All right, so how much does John K. Sampson love hockey? So much that when one of his hometown heroes, Reggie the Riverton Rifle Leach, has been snubbed by the Hockey Hall of Fame, he wrote a song to argue for his inclusion. But that wasn't enough. He also started an online petition, the text of which are the lyrics to this song. And if that wasn't enough, he named the song after the hyperlink that you'd go to to find the petition. Yes, this song is called www.ipetitions.com backslash petition backslash Riverton Rifle. You Canadians are the fucking best. <laughs> these, these lyrics also kind of sound like they were taken off the back of a hockey card. Yeah. I, I 1985, 80 goals. What a season. I legitimately thought you uh, misclicked and put a hyperlink on it. No, it's the name of the song. the name of the song. Uh, John K. Sampson, he's from Winnipeg, Manitoba, formerly of the punk band Propagandi. Who also, oh, no shit. Yeah, they also dabble in Canadian classical. I'm going to see Propagandi on Sunday. Well, listen for their songs about hockey. They I have will. Too. Ask him about the Riverton Rifle. Yeah, it's songs about hockey or songs called You Can Take This Motherfucking Flag and Stick It Up Your Goddamn Ass. He may not be in it anymore. Though, make sure this guy's in the line. Now, the uh, is the guitar player that replaced her with a lady punk rocker. Oh, okay. Um, so because um, John Sa- John K. Sampson, he's currently in a folk rock band uh, called the Weaker Things, and he's released some solo stuff, including this song. Uh, this appeared on a solo debut album, Provincial. Uh, a recording of the song simply named Petition from his EP called Provincial Road 222, one of the series of planned EPs named after Rhodes in Winnipeg. Uh, this song is extremely nostalgic for someone who appears to be a very nostalgic guy. And fun fact, Ocean City Defender is a huge John K. Sampson fan. Oh, I wonder if I can talk to him about propaganda. Um, oh, and FYI, this petition is about a thousand signatures short. It's trying to get 5,000. It only has 4,000 signatures. Uh-oh. Here we go. Uh, is there a, wait, is there a time limit? I, I don't know. Just head, go vote for it. Head to the title of this song. Here we go. This is good. W- going to show the power of <laughs> Beyond Yacht www.ipetitions.com backslash petition uh, backslash Riverton Rifle. And let's get the Riverton Rifle into the Hockey Hall of Fame. If we can get 200 more signatures on there, I would feel like we've done our yeah. job. Well, I'm, I'm sure we're good for four. <laughs> uh, I got a I got a question. Uh-huh. You said uh, that this hockey player was from uh, John's hometown of Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Why do they call him the Riverton Rifle? Oh, I, you know what? He may have been. 
Um, is Riverton like a suburb? Of maybe Winnipeg? a suburb or something. I didn't look too deeply into it. Oh. <laughs> so weird. You ever been to Winnipeg? He also, he also may not be from the town, but he may have played on their minor league hockey team. That may be where they got uh, the start. I don't know. That's just guy's nickname, man. Don't, maybe he liked rivers a ton. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it brings. Maybe up, he liked to shoot rivers with a rifle. You know, and this is what's great about your episodes, JD. I now want to go home and do more research. Yeah, and vote for the Riverton rifle. Fuck yeah! I'm surprised that you, you Tiger fans in the room here, haven't done a similar song project about Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker getting into the baseball hall of fame we don't care we get to have mediocre stats yeah well no i mean they're in our hearts hall Alan of fame Trammell should have won the mvp cut out. but they're not yankees no one's been listening to this yeah. um have you ever have you guys ever told you about my plan what i to save the nhl is mm-hmm. want to hear stop it? expanding it so much no okay get it out of desert this stop is, giving them teams in like tennessee this is, yeah well that's part of it this is my plan half the team should be in canada one division, the other half should be in the U.S. And then every year, the Stanley Cup is the U.S. Yes. versus Canada. Oh, so it should be like a border war. Yes. Yes. And you don't need... You could maybe have an unbalanced league to get a few more in the United States. But you could literally have a city of 100,000 get a hockey team in Canada, and you will fill up fill up a stadium. You could put a hockey team in a uh, $5 million, or a million uh, person city in the U.S., and you probably can't. No half fill it. The moose jaw hosers, eh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Chidi, you remember we went to uh, the hockey game, and we found that license plate in the parking lot? Oh, yeah. That said, I love dickings. Yeah, we're like, we're like wow, this, guy, this, this girl loves getting dicked. She's got a license a plate. <laughs> This license plate said, I love Dickings so much. And then we realized, oh, I love D. Kings. The L.A. Kings. We were going to see the Kings versus the Red Wings. I love Dickings. <laughs> Good job, guy. Four. Life is an ice rink. I want to skate it all night long. This is Tom Cochran. And Red Rider. Boy, I would have I would have gone lunatic fringe on that. <laughs> uh, this is the band Tom ditched when he realized that life is a highway. With a common this is this is sort of a common Canadian cautionary tale. It's called Big League. It's about a young man who was really 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 good at hockey on a rocket-fueled Zamboni headed straight to the NHL, but he dies driving recklessly. Uh, a car, not a Zamboni, before he ever got a chance to skate foot in the big leagues. It would seem then that death is also a highway. <laughs> you know, Dave, I have a fun fact about when took Oh, I'd love to hear it. Uh, it was actually about the awesome hockey boy. Really? Also known as the flow. Yeah, yeah. That's or the, 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 the Guy Lafleur. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a lie. That's not good. There is a great series of videos. I don't know if you guys ever saw this. This guy in Minnesota does this every year. It's called like yeah. the, the Hockey Hero. Yeah, or something yeah, like that. those are great. And so there's a high school tournament. And so the Minnesota State. Yeah, high school. And so all the boys, like a lot of the boys, get into this now. And so they grow their hair out like real long mullets, just like real flowing locks and mustaches. Yeah. And this guy just they skate up for the little intro, and the guy, just a third party guy, watching these videos online, and he. Just comments on there. Oh, look at this one. He's got a he's got a beautiful flow. Oh, nice little mustache too. That's a real hunk there. 
He really <laughs> takes his hockey hair seriously. They're, they're great. Guys. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Yeah, go back to his early ones. When nobody was really watching because you know the dedication. <laughs> Just put that together. <laughs> um, all right. So I like this. This is like a format of song I really like. It's a cautionary tale with an aspirational title that's repeated in the chorus. So then when the story takes an inevitable turn, the title takes a whole new meaning, which is usually the afterlife. Same thing happens, Tom Petty's into the great wide open. But in this case, the Sig League goes from meaning the NHL to Bill Barilko heaven, uh, heaven for hockey players who got too reckless in their extra hockey hobbies. Like Tim Horton. Yeah, like Tim Horton. Uh, ate too many donuts, got up on the road. I just realized it was the Willie Horton scandal, not the Tim Horton scandal. Ignore what I said before. <laughs> what did you say? Tim Horton brought down Dukakis. Yeah, I said there was a big scandal. Oh. <laughs> you were referring Wait, did you get words mixed up in your head? Ah, no one knows for sure. <laughs> I, I want to talk about some words in this song because I listened to it once. Uh, I found two unfortunate turns of phrase. It's, very, it's a very sad, serious song. I found one of these, yeah. The first one is about how in this town you work in the mill and get laid in the ground, which seems like a very strange way to have sex, especially if it's a hockey town where it's always cold out. Yeah. Hey, you're looking pretty there. Let's just dig a hole. Yeah. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta you know what I mean. We're gonna have to pick through that permafrost, eh? <laughs> if you know what I mean, literally dig a hole. We'll have sex in it, eh? <laughs> and then uh, the second, the second one. Uh, it's about how sometimes at night he can hear the ice crack, but he sings the word ice all rock and roll styles. I can hear the ice crack. It's real funny. <laughs> Takes away from the uh, from the uh, uh, somber nature of the uh, the tale he's weaving. Uh, what of Tom Cochran? <laughs> so super. What's he up to these days? <laughs> uh, well, multi-Juno winning Tom Cochran is what? one of Canada's favorite artists. Uh, this guy won a Juno award. Yeah. Multi. There's, there's like a fucking dump truck they back up every year. <laughs> hey, grab as, grab as many as you can. Which one of you wants a Juno, eh? Grab as many as you can. We got the Junos here. All you can carry. Hold on, are you a musician? No. Oh, you can't have a Juno. We got a we got a Juno over here. Do you guys know about the Canadian content laws? They actually have quotas on their radio yeah, stations Canadian for, can, for Canadian musicians. TV stations too. Yeah, yeah. TV. Yeah, because they don't want to be culturally dominated by, uh, by us. I think it's twenty percent or something like that. Something like I that. think kids I, in the hall had a joke about it. Like, yeah, Canadian content laws said twenty percent of us has to be gay. That was their Scott Thompson thing. The, the, uh, somebody explained it to me during the uh, Try and Raps, the comedy raps one, that the reason, like, the Great White North was created is because they were legally had to talk about Canada. Oh, okay. <laughs> And so they just so they made that for us. Oh, that's great. That makes me really like Canada. Hold on to the Canadian niche, whatever that means. Um, he's talking. Uh, so Tom Cochran, he started with this group, Red Rider, and by the time this song was released in 88, the band had become, and he'd become like Shaka Khan to Rufus, and the band was known as Tom Cochran and Red Rider. It's like he shot him with a BB gun or something. Yeah. Uh, 
see what I did there. This <laughs> album uh, is called Victory Day, and it would be the biggest album, to, their biggest album to date, selling 200,000 Canadian copies. That's double plus. Canadian copies. Um, this is Tom's last album with Red Rider, before Life is a Highway album, Mad Mad World, set the Mad Mad World on fire. Since then, his life has been as smooth as freshly Zamboni dice. I'm sorry, you're laughing. You're laughing. 200,000 Canadian copies. That's actually 120. Yeah, with the rate of exchange. American copies. Three. All right, Hunter brought this to my attention. You're welcome. Thank God you did. This sounds like a pretty standard disco song, but what you're about to hear is NHL Hall of Famer Guy Lafleur pop in with instructions on how to shoot a puck into the goal while background singers sing, Yes, you can do it. You know you can do it, baby. All you gotta do is try. So I thought this song was about how to fuck chicks, right? Like, like aren't all disco songs about fucking? Not in Canada. <laughs> yeah, this is a... Yeah, well, it is. This technically is. This song is about scoring the Canadian way, yeah. which is hot. If you score goals, you're going to score with chicks. Control of any shot comes from a close or open Except with... Except <laughs> with oh, listen to him. Listen. Low, close the blade. And to shoot it high, all you have to do is open the blade. <laughs> it's, it's exciting. Great. It's exciting stuff. Uh, it does sound like he's talking about fucking chicks. Open the blade? How do you fuck chicks? <laughs> I don't know. It's a metaphor of some sort. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's not a literal blade. Um, I don't know, Dave. I'm just, I just heard that. He's trying to fuck some chicks. He reads Deeker Pass. And he backs up. So Guy Lafleur, a.k.a. The Flower, a.k.a. Winter's Flower. It also sounds like terms of the vagina. Uh, a.k.a. Le Damon Blonde. Winter's Flower? That sounds like a vagina on a corpse. <laughs> Then, if the goalie backs up the well, you're getting laid in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, what, it's about, that's what getting laid in the ground's about. It's about stopping by <laughs> for a cool <laughs> one. <laughs> Picking winter this flowers. Is so Putting the pollen in there. This guy hair's his hair flowed behind him like a cape. I have about a quarter of a Oh, he had beautiful hair. He was Le Dimon Blanc. Uh, one of the greatest hockey players of all time, racking up multiple 50-goal, 100-point seasons over a 17-year career, hauling in Stanley Cup after Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, by the 79, when this was released, he was a bona fide superstar. Disco was the king of Montreal, or should I say... Lois de Montréal. So this song just seemed to make sense. Uh, this is from an album called Le Fleur. Uh, the track <laughs> with an exclamation point. <laughs> the track list is as follows: face off, skating, checking, power play, shooting, and scoring. Slip it between the pads. Um, face off and power play. They're the first songs on each side. They're actually hockey themed disco songs, and the rest. Of the songs are like this one with Guy Lafleur giving instructions to a disco beat, with background singers offering additional encouragement. Uh, there's also a French version of this yeah, album. There very much is. Yeah, yeah. He must be from Quebec because that's uh, you got to put everything in French. Am I and English? Am I correct to call him Guy? Is that what people it's call him? Yeah. Um, the, imagine how much snizz a guy whose uh, name is translated to a man flower got. <laughs> 
Yeah, you throw in that sexy French-Canadian accent and a stick, bam, you got yourself a sex icon. You want to hear a sexy French-Canadian accent, do not go back and watch Keanu Reeves in Youngblood. It is awful. Guy retired in 84. He got inducted in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, no online petition necessary. And then he came out of retirement to play a couple more seasons because hockey players are tough pieces of shit. Uh, recently, he got in hot water with the law uh, when his ne'er-do-well son got busted for sexual assault and Guy drove him to a hotel in violation of his curfew to see his girlfriend. Uh, Poppy Lafleur got slapped with an obstruction of justice charge. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the follow-up to this album. It's another instructional album, but this one is set to a deep house groove, and it'll be called Helping Your Criminal Son Live a More Comfortable Life, eh? It could also have been called Scoring. <laughs> yeah. Scoring with your dad's help. Two. Oh, we're getting folksy. Finally, yeah. Listen to this beautiful Canadian accent. Subtle yet strong. This is Tom Connors, no wait, stomping Tom Connors, which is simply titled The Hockey Song. Now, what's this one about? Hockey. Ha! It's about songs. Um, Dumb shit. This song was released on uh, Stomping Tom's 1973 album, Stomping Tom and the Hockey Song. Uh, incredibly, it did not catch fire right away. Then in 1992, 20 years, this song was just sitting in Canada doing nothing. It's got a steep. In, in 1992, someone decided to play it at an Ottawa Senators game, and it spread like wildfire and is now a staple in hockey arenas all over the place. I mean, as fast as wildfire can spread. Yeah. Over the tundra. There's a lot of moisture. The chorus of the song is great. Here it is. The best game you can name is the good old hockey game. It's just a drinking song by the strictest definition of a drinking song, which is great because hockey is the drinkingest game in the world. Uh, and it's also my favorite sport to watch live. I love going to the hockey arena and yeah, watching too. a hockey game. Me too, but I, it's I, but definitely when you're behind the boards is the best. You're far, you're far away, it's still okay. It's, it's it's pretty fun even if you're far away because you got such a it's such a. It's such I like a, hockey. The hockey's my favorite sport. The, the rink is the perfect size. Like if you're in the nosebleeds, you can follow the action really easily, and it never stops. I love it. Yeah, I've I've seen the Red Wings out here a few times. They've always one, which is great because the crowd hates them. But uh, half the crowd's Red Wings fans. Well, yeah, not, it's true. Not these days when the Kings are so good. But, uh, wait, are, are all you Michigan guys Red Wings fans who, who give a shit about sports? I mean, I was until I went, I was in Montreal uh, when the when the Wings were in the playoffs or when they, they were in the finals against the Penguins in um, 2009. And I was watching like one of the games in a bar in Montreal, and they were all rooting for the Penguins because apparently the Red Wings are like the Yankees, and everybody in hockey that's, hates. That's them. what I was gonna say. I you didn't know that? Yeah. Well, I had a feeling, but to actually feel that vitriol for Montreal people, true hockey fans. Well, the Montreal, it's because they're supposed to be the Yankees. Yeah. Before before the Red Wings be, took over the mantle of the Yankees of hockey. It was the Montreal Canadiens. Like they, they should have, be. The they have the years. years. Yeah. yeah, they have like the, the far and away the largest number of Stanley Cups. That, you know, from back when the league was only like six teams. But uh, 
I mean, the Red Wings had that long 42-year drought before they won it in 97. And then they became the Yankees of hockey. Um, I, I'm open to new teams. I'm thinking of getting into the Maple Leafs because I like the way they pluralize it. When I was a kid and briefly lived in Indiana, second time this has come up on the podcast today, uh, we used to go see the Indianapolis Ice play. And it was in a shithole of an arena at the old fairgrounds. But Mario Lemieux's brother played for the Indianapolis Ice. And Mario Lemieux would frequently be in the stands. And just like the nicest fucking Mario. Coolest dude. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I bad with Steve was I was like half and half Red Wings fan because they were the Yankees of hockey. And I hate the Yankees. So. I mean, I ended up adopting them because I needed one Michigan. Michigan team in my portfolio and rooting for the Cubs and the Bears. <laughs> Your portfolio. My, sport, my sports folio. My sport folio, Dave. Oh, I need my portfolio. Team. It's just I also, five pictures of a dick. I also needed a team that actually won. Yeah, which they did. Which they did. But they bought a lot of those. But they did. They were able to develop a lot of homegrown talent like uh, Lindstrom, Lindstrom and Holmstrom. But they haven't been able to win since the uh, since the salary cap era. I mean, they, they they wrote it out for a long time with Lidstrom, but when he retired, that was kind of the yeah. end, of, like they're the bottom falling out. They're struggling, so it's more fun to follow him now because because the playing field has been leveled. No one can be the Yankees anymore. Hello out there. Um, oh, Tom Connors. Oh, stomping. Oh, this guy, sorry. Oh, man, he had a sad childhood. Oh. Check out his Wikipedia. I don't want to get into too much of it. I'll get into some of it. Check out his Wikipedia page if you have a chance. He was born to teen parents. His mother was a petty thief who would steal to feed him and spend a little time in prison. He lived with her in a low-security prison for a little bit before he was adopted away. Uh, he Jesus. ran away from his adoptive parents at 13 and hitchhiked around Canada for another 13 years doing odd jobs. He'd often sing for his supper, and his legend has it, he was once a nickel short for a 35-cent beer. So he told the bartender to put it away. The barkeep said if he sang a song, he could have the beer for 30 cents. He liked the song so much, he offered Tom a free beer for another song, and that turned into a residency. Uh, and began the and beginning Tom of became an alcoholic. <laughs> Um, you can still see him live uh, at that same bar. Yeah, same bar. No, he just did a show on, no on November twelfth. Uh, just go to com to find out where he's playing next and to see what a website looked like in the year two thousand. <laughs> Are you listening to the lyrics? They're like first period, second yeah. period. They get to third period as the tension's building. He says, oh, "Last game of the season, too." Like, oh, why don't, why don't you start with that? Last game of the season. That's some right, David Gettys territory. Um, it's a little little nugget for all you Dave Gettys fans out there. Um, I would bet like a song like this is like the third closest thing Canada has to a national anthem. This is number three. Number two is O Canada, which they pretend is a national anthem. Uh, but the number one Canadian anthem song is our number one song today. <laughs> the theme you can't do that on television. Not this one. It's this one. Okay. Boy, I haven't heard that in a long time. So, 90% of our audience has no idea what this song is, but the other 10% just took their Leafs caps off and are holding their Molsons over their hearts. This is the hockey theme, the theme song to Hockey Night in Canada, a show that airs hockey games on Saturday nights. The show has been going since 1923 in the early days of radio. It debuted on TV in 1952. 
and some argue that Instant Replay was first used on the show in 1955. A very important show in the Great White North, obviously. It's very poetic that you bookended the show with the sad hockey night in Canada and then the fun hockey night in Canada. Yeah, this show has been shockingly poetic for me. But what of Anne Murray? I have a question for Canadians out there. You can write to somebody. Uh, Dave, uh, excuse me, JD referenced Molson's. What's more Canadian, Molson's or Labatt? Labatt. I would like Molson. To me, it's Labatt. I mean, Molson is what they talked about on uh, the the fucking uh, Juno Awards. Uh, The Great White North. It's the Molson Uh, Juno Awards. Bob and Doug McKenzie. (laughs) Uh, But growing up in Michigan, Labatt was plentiful. More so than Molson. So to me, it's Labatt. Well, that might be because Canada kept more of the Molson for themselves. Hey, could be. Could be. I had when I was in Canada, I had something called uh, what was it called? Molson. It's like Molson ice something else, and it was like an eleven percent oh, beer. Like the triple. Oh, oh yeah, I, I remember yeah. Molson ice. It was. It, it tasted mostly like regular Molson, but it had more alcohol in it. You know, so you got your most of the, all the Canadian stuff has more alcohol. This took up took up another. But notch. only in Canada. Yeah. It was an eleven percent alcohol beer. That's the same as wine. It tasted like terrible carbonated sake. It was awful. Yeah, you can you can get high alcohol beers that taste a lot better than that. La Fin de Monde. Did you guys? Uh, oh, there goes all this. of our hockey or all our Canadian fans after what Steve just said. <laughs> Did you guys uh, ever oh, check go out to... Unibrew from? I think I'm pronouncing that right. Unibrew from Quebec. It's a great brewery. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. Did you guys ever go to Winnipeg or uh, Windsor? Uh, before you were 21 to get beer and see fully nude strippers? No, no. I never did. I know everybody I knew did. Because you can drink at 19 there. Yeah, and you go to the casino and go see some uh, prostitutes. Some, yeah, I guess they were prostitutes now that I think about it. Um, that's, come on. Oh, that, boy, that's I a, did, that's I did. us dirty Americans filthying up their beautiful country. Let's talk about this. Yeah, thing. because Windsor, for his, uh, you know, they had a bar there called Cheetos. That's That was the hot spot. Mm-hmm. So clean. Yeah. Nothing like the cheetahs here in L.A. <laughs> My God. Yet Windsor is the Tijuana of Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the cleanest. it would be the cleanest city in America. Yeah. Um, so this theme song was introduced in 1968. It was written by a woman named Dolores uh, Clamon. And there's a bunch of boring legal stuff and hands-changing stuff that happened recently in the show. Switch networks and Dolores wants royalties and some other stuff for reasons and stuff. Let's put that aside and bask in the glory of this perfect example of Canadian classical music. There are many different versions from through the years, and here's a particularly sweet one that I really like. Um, I don't know what year this is from, probably in the 80s. Yeah, and I believe it's Canadian law that every band that wins a Juno Award or has a hit record or exists must play a version of the song. <laughs> They, they have to look up any Canadian band and type this in. At least one member has played this song. I believe the latest version was arranged and performed by Neil Peart or right. Nickelback. Yeah, Neil, Neil Peart did a uh, he did a he did an all drum version of this. Oh, that's got to be good. <laughs> um, so, wait, I, I want to say something okay. before you conclude this. Uh, I'd like to add that I liked the puck trail that was developed by Fox in the 1990s. So fuck you, Canada. What did they do away with it? Oh, everybody! Don't you remember? No one remember this? No, yeah, everybody they were going to sell hockey line. to America. Yeah, they were supposed to. Help. Americans can't find the puck. Yeah. Let's give it to them. 
<laughs> and they hated it. We should do that again every now and then. I think they're thinking about bringing it back because it was great. It yeah. was cool. Fuck you, Canada. Um, so in conclusion, Canada is not a country of contrast. It's very cold and everyone loves hockey. Pretty cut and dry up there. What did it make? What did we miss, guys? Well, uh, the legendary Canadian metal band Anvil, uh, famous from the documentary Anvil, the story of Anvil. Oh, yes. Uh, they did a hockey song in 1988 on their Pound for Pound album. It was called Blood on the Ice. It's fucking sweet. You should go listen to it. The first, the first lines of the song are as follows. Slap shot, sucker shot, down on your knees. Skate to the face. You're gouged and you bleed. It's awesome. It's pretty sweet. As, you know, there's also a lot of Canadian punk about hockey. Um, I want to hear this song again. It's sweet. Um, check out the band Two Man Advantage, which is a hockey term. Uh, they do a lot of hockey songs. And, or the Puck Rock Comps in the, that came out in the 90s. Okay, so was, this episode is, is about hockey. Just realized that. Um, you thought it was about Canadian classical I music. Thought it, I thought it was. Uh, so how about that keyboard noise that causes everyone to play hockey and fight in the movie Strange Brew? Yeah, with those guys that look like a licensable version of Darth Vader. Yeah, they even do that joke. In there. Uh, there's also a song called uh, Rock'em Sock'em Techno by Don Cherry that's extremely frightening. You're talking about Don Cherry, the hockey announcer. Yes. The host of Hockey Night in Canada. Not Don Cherry, the jazz trumpeter. No, Don Cherry, the guy who hates European hockey because um, they're soft. Toughen them up. Right, I toughen them up. There's a lot of good stuff from Strange Brew. The theme song to Strange Brew is a really awesome Canadian song. Yeah. Um, and then there's something else. A song that somebody famous, I forgot who, did with Bob and Doug. Get, Getty Lee. Getty Lee did it with Bob and Doug. This song is sweet. Yeah. yeah. That awesome. was the one you linked on our... Uh... No, I, I linked the Strange Brew uh, theme song by Ian something. The Yatsky Ian Thomas? Hunter? Ian Hunter? Um, okay, anyway. What's next What's next week, Hunter? It's a surprise. All right. Surprise. Uh, business. I thought I knew what I was going to do. Now I'm thinking about the date. Uh, merch booth. Head to yachtrock.com backslash merch dash booth. Uh, we're selling these record totes that you can masturbate into all day and night, and it even comes with a cocoa face button. Yeah, if to you masturbate like, too. If you like to poke yourself with a needle while you fill your totes, uh, wash uh, the tote once so it softens it a little bit. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna want to wash them uh, after you get them. And then wash us. them again. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what song this is. It's a Captain Tennille song called Butterscotch. <laughs> this sounds like Downtown by Petula Clark. Butterscotch Castle by Captain Tennille. How have I never heard this song? What? And, and it just, well, it just popped up on what? Your Spotify? It's like the recommended song. Yeah. yeah. It just went straight on into This is the most... This Talk is... about a backdoor suggestion. <laughs> man, oh man, did you I miss one, this man. one? Maybe uh, it's time for part two. Anyway, these totes that you can jerk off into. They have an awesome design. Uh, they can hold around 20 LPs when you go record shop. Huh. Or 20 CCs. Uh, we also have t-shirts galore. Buy them at our merch store. And thanks to Ocean City Defender, my favorite Canadian composer, for those bumpers. Uh, see if you can name all the shows they were from. Go back and listen. You don't win anything, but maybe OCC Defender will send you a Canadian care package. But you have to work that out with him at OC Defender. They can hold a lot more than 20 loads, huh? Oh. 
Well, count them up. Let us know. Uh, nicknames. I didn't do any, but uh, for currently everybody who has a nickname, for one week you have to put the Canadian in front of it. Like uh, Jonathan Bannister, you are now for one week the Canadian kumquat. Hmm. Okay, and and James Canadian here's my dog Pettit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is it James? Uh, all right, cool. All right, find this week's uh, Canadian classical playlist by following JD Rizner on Spotify. Go to yachtrock.com for a very useful experience. Go to yachtrock.com to take a look at the Yachtsky scale. Yachtrock.com. Oh, thanks, Steve. Send questions via Twitter at yachtrock. Like yachtrock on Facebook. Uh, follow Beyond Yacht Rock on Instagram. Rate and view us on Apple Podcasts. Themes by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Uh, thanks to producer Matt Rousseau. He's going to do something for this, maybe. Uh, maybe not. He's on vacation, isn't he? Fuck you, Matt Rousseau. Yeah, what a We're in La Crescenta because you had to have fun. Yeah. There's coyotes here. And bears. bears and mountain deer. lions. Deer like crazy. I see yeah. deer here on the street all the time. Thanks to the entire Feral Audio family. Uh, thanks to the deer in my neighborhood. And check out other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com. I think my favorite part of the show is now to see what song comes up at the end. This one's fucking filthy. What are the crickets in the background? <laughs> These are birds. Oh, she's just sicko. Man. Get the plate out. I hear more about her licorice. <laughs> Where's she these days? Maybe we could stop by for a cold one. Great name for a bar if we ever want to get into the bar business. <laughs> you don't like alcoholic cost? You can start that one if you want to write.